we'll just come together. I'll bring all the labels. You bring all the containers. And we'll just do this together and we'll figure when it out. When our forces combine, we are Captain Organization. <laughs> I think I'm the heart of Captain Organization. <laughs> I love it. Just, I love just it. Just give me a monkey and I'll just I want to be the fire. There. I want to bring the fire. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the marvelous Molly Barron. Molly Barron is equal parts project manager and corporate trainer by background, so she helps small business owners and individuals develop skills in managing projects, managing their time, and learning how to get more done in a day by teaching, coaching, and helping them develop skills in project management, time management, productivity, communication, and professionalism. She loves to put her 17 years of corporate experience, her certification as a project management professional or PMP to work for you and your company. So let's get more things done than you ever imagined possible. Hey, Molly Barron, I got a question for you. Bet you can't guess what it is. Just kidding. It is. What should small business owners focus on this week? Well, I have two answers for this question. Overachiever from the jump. Here we go. That's right. That's right. My first answer is get shit done. Amen. Hallelujah. And I think what is really, really important is that it is not just about doing every little thing that comes up because we could spend thousands of hours just answering email or doing whatever the hell we think is important. So that's why I have a second answer to this question, which is live your plan. Oh, man, that sounds good. Get shit done, but live your plan. I love that in combination because of what you just said. Like, I could spend my entire life on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yep. I I could could spend my entire life in like a subreddit that doesn't have like on like mushrooms. Like (laughs) I could spend so much time and I convince myself quite easily that things have work value when I'm in those rabbit holes, like on the way down. I'm like, ooh, I'm getting shit done. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not getting shit done. And I would know I wasn't getting shit done if I was working and living my plan But in those rabbit hole moments, normally I'm either procrastinating my plan, (laughs) avoiding my plan, or I don't have a plan. I will tell you, I will spend all day, literally all day, just finding the right clip to put on my Instagram story. Like I love adding music or yep. the or the gifts or whatever. I, I will do it all day. I really will. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I convince myself, oh, this is so important for me because, you know, social media, small business owner, like I have to do stuff. And yeah. while that's all true to some degree, Um, What I'm really finding as I run my own business and as I coach people in terms of project managing their own businesses um, is that if I don't have an overarching plan, 
I don't know if I'm doing the right things. So that's, yeah. that's why I think it, it's a balance, you know, like we can't just do everything, but we also can't just spend time planning what we want to do. So that, that's why I had to go with two answers to your question, because I think that they, they really inform each other. Yeah, they really, really do. They really, 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 really do. Because you could also just live your plan and just keep adding elements onto the plan. Like mm -hmm. that, what is that, the Winchester Mansion, where it's like, we need another staircase. We yeah. need another room that goes to nowhere. And it's like, okay, well, yes, you have an architect that's approving these things. But why are we building staircases to nowhere? That's right. not going to work for us. And also the plan has to evolve and adapt as you do it. Yes. Yes. 100%. Like that's why I'm saying to live your plan. I mean, I have a reputation sometimes and my, my partner will tell you this of like over planning, you know, like weekends, especially I'm like, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to do my laundry. I'm going to do this <laughs> and that. And like, inevitably Netflix finds its way in like that inevitably Netflix always <laughs> something right so it's, it's not about just living stringently and only doing what's on the plan either but like really understanding that you know you you make a plan you set some strategic priorities and then you got to kind of see how it's going like you find out how it's going by doing the things yeah. on the plan and seeing you know how they work like Right now, for example, I, I worked on a strategic plan for, I started with the year, but I really only fleshed out the first two quarters because who knows what the hell I'm going to be doing in September, to be quite honest with you. What year is it, Molly? I don't, I don't even know. know. I don't know. But what I do know is that on Mondays, I'm going to write a blog post and on Wednesdays, I just launched a Wild Wednesday uh, oh, where I'm sharing different quotes from leadership books or just books that I have found personally inspirational or informative in some way. Um, and I, I just wanted to do that. Like I feel very called to. So I put it in my plan. And it's it's a nice blend of like, oh, it's Monday, I've got to write a blog. Yep. But I also sort of sketched out for the next month, here's the topics that I'm going to address, right? And then with my Wild Wednesdays, I've, I've pre-selected the quotes. I literally have a stack of books, uh, which you can't see, <laughs> but I am pointing off to my right. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I, I have them all identified. They're all in a spreadsheet. And, you know, if something weird comes up and I want to change my mind and write about something else... I'm allowed to do that, right? I, But I, I still try to keep to my Monday and Wednesday routine. I love what you brought in there about um, having everything sort of pre-planned within the plan, because I know one of the areas where I'll be like, ooh, I planned. And then I like pat myself on the back and then don't actually look about the fact that I sort of planned. I like incompletely planned is I'd be like, cool, Wednesdays, I'm going to do quotes but I wouldn't actually go and pick the quotes. And so every Wednesday I would spend just as much time as if I didn't have a plan because I would have to hurry up and go find a quote. So I love mm -hmm. that you're also saying like live your plan also means set future you up for success in that plan instead yes. of screwing future you by adhering to that plan. Yes. Yes. And you know, that's something that I am quite honestly still figuring out. So I started my company back in September. Um, Projects by Molly is what I'm calling it. And what, what I do is I will plan out content or topics for blogs about a month ahead of time. Um, any more than that, I find, you know, stuff comes up like 
current events, for example. Maybe I want to write something about what I see happening in Ukraine, or maybe I want to write something, you know, about some other big event that has happened, right? So I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself so that I can still remain current and relevant. Mm -hmm. But what I found was when I first started out, I was just like waking up on Mondays and writing a blog about like whatever the heck I felt like. And that was great until the day I woke up and was like, shit, I have no ideas. What am I going to do today? So this at least helps give me a little bit of a framework to have a guide for, okay, this is what I picked. Um, And I'll say too that, you know, what that requires from me from a planning perspective is once a month, I sit down for about an hour and I just think about what is it that I want to do. I have sort of um, some key topics that I've pre-identified that I always kind of want to be working out together and sort of blending together. So I'll look through sort of my list, combine what feels right, and just set that next month for for the blog and then for the quotes. And for me, that's been really manageable. And it's an hour that really pays off. Like this week, for example, I just got back from vacation on Monday. I took a red eye. I was not feeling up to writing a blog then. So I wrote it yesterday, but I had the topic. I knew what I was going to do. It turned out different than necessarily what I thought, um, but like Still I was got able done. to like, live that plan. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I love what you were talking about, about, you know, wanting to respond to things like the war in Ukraine um, and everything that we're seeing there. You cannot jump to the things that matter to you unless you have the plan in place. So I think that's something I really misunderstood in the first million iterations of my business where I'd be like, well, if I structure everything too perfectly, then if something happens in the world and I want to do a Black Lives Matter post or a I will say gay as much as I want to, thank you oh so much post Mm -hmm. or Ukraine, like we were just talking about, because I have the structure, I know that my posts are good. I know that my systems are firing appropriately. That actually does free up the bandwidth for me to be able to take time to do something like I will say gay as much as I want to gay, 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 gay. Um, but actually have uh, actually have a deeper uh, conversation around it or more effort put into the post because I know, oh, well, my blog post is automatically getting pushed email today so I can do whatever I want. And and so I love the way that you brought up that like having a structure seems rigid, but is actually more flexible on everything else. That is so counterintuitive. Why do you think as a PM, why do you think structure and planning and processes and all the things that you have grown to love. Why do people who self-identify as creative think that they'd rather light themselves on fire than do this? I'm so glad you asked that question, Annie. This is one of the things that I am trying to put out there in the world. I think the way that we talk about project management, planning, structure is completely flawed because there is this reputation out there that people like me, project managers, for example, have to be like type A, uptight, Mm -hmm. detail oriented, like just like super, super into the details and can't let anything go type of people. And the trouble is that's not true. 
I have coached so many different people from all different walks of life. I've coached so many people who thought they couldn't do project management because they didn't consider themselves a details person or they were highly creative. And, you know, what I find is constraints breed creativity. When you s- <laughs> Tote bag alarm. What did you just say? Creativity. What now? Who? I said constraints breed creativity. Hot damn. Tell me more. So, you know, think about it. If if you, let's say you're an artist and you are, you know, trying to free whatever is in the marble, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Michelangelo, right? So you start chipping away and then you you get to a piece that that cannot do what you intended it to do. Yep. It's too flat or it's too round or it's too whatever. So what do you do? You carve another path around it. Yeah. And then what does that mean? That means that your sculpture is now completely different. Yeah. It's completely beautiful. It's something you didn't anticipate. It's something you didn't know. Projects are just a freaking piece of marble. Yeah. You know, like you start out thinking you're going to do ABC. You get to B and realize that before you can finish it, you've got to do X, Y, Z. So you retool and you redo things. And then the end result might not be anything like what you thought it would be. But you're you're actually unleashing a whole bunch of creativity whenever you accomplish a project. And the plan is what sort of keeps you on track to know, hey, are we succeeding or are we not? It's mm-hmm. really more about measuring success and measuring progress and the secret is that when you know you are doing a good job and making progress, you feel better, you work harder, you like it more. So it does take discipline and organization and structure. Yes, but it it does not have to be like a huge mallet hitting you over the head with those things. <laughs> Like an acme mallet falls out of the sky and just bops you. Exactly. Like, oh, you missed this deadline. Boom. Like, no, no, no. Like, if you miss a deadline, like there's this whole process in project management called rolling wave planning, where the idea is you plan that which you know for sure. Maybe that's only the next week. Mm -hmm. So you plan out what you can, and then you put a stake in the ground. And next week, when you get to Thursday, you sit down and you say, oh, okay, now here's what I know for the next week. So you plan that. And maybe things have changed. So, you know, you're, you're tweaking as you're going. And I find that project management actually requires a ton of creativity. It requires a ton of innovation and yes. thinking about all these different things. It also takes a lot of people skills. Like if you care about people, being a project manager is a great career because oh, you've got to yes handle Oh my God, you got to handle, you know, the mom who needs to leave early for soccer games or the dad who needs to take his kids to ballet class. I mean, there's all kinds of things that come up that that are obstacles for people. And a, one of the project manager's jobs is to remove them or help them think more creatively about how to solve things. Um, and The you know, PM is the stage manager. They're the ringleader of the three ring circus. They oh, have yeah. to keep all the plates spinning perfectly. And if somebody's not pulling their weight, they have to find a way to inspire and motivate that person in a hurry to be like, your plate's about to fall. You better mm-hmm. fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's on them, right? If the project fails, it goes back to the PM in a lot of ways. So yeah, the project manager's on the hook for a lot. Yeah. I'm still obsessed with this idea about constraints because now that I'm thinking about it, when I think about some of my favorite artists or some of my favorite musical forms, it's really easy to figure out what the constraint was, right? So like I'm a huge Van Gogh girl and 
Van Gogh for our Van European Gogh. listeners. Uh, and Van Gogh uh, painted his view from his mental asylum like 913 different ways and sketched it a bunch of different ways. Why? Because mm-hmm. he was in a mental institution. It was the only view he had. There we go. Right? And that brought in a whole new color period. Mm-hmm. Like that view brought in a whole new color period. A ton of American jazz is brought from chain gang slave songs that were meant to keep time. Like that is the ultimate slavery, the ultimate constraint. Like there, that is the old, like that is the ultimate constraint. Right. And so when we look at our own business, I think that, you know, if, if we want to do something, we have the constraints of social media. We have the constraints of our effort, our time, mm-hmm. our energy, which is not mm-hmm. limitless. We have the constraints almost of, in some ways of like our branding colors or our brand identity. Oh, sure. But there's still so much to play with within yeah. all of that. So, yeah. Molly, it just sort of blew my mind. Just <laughs> kind of took my mind and just sort of blew it, you know? Oh, good. But I love that we're talking about that because yeah. you said like people don't see project management as a creative task, but you just dropped the most gorgeous creativity nugget we've had in 70 some odd episodes of this show. So, yeah, right there. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo to anybody <laughs> that doesn't think that PMing is creative because yeah. that soundbite was freaking gorgeous. Thank you. Well, and and that's actually, I'm I'm deep in the middle of a blog series right now about how everyone is a project manager. Just like Dan mm-hmm. Pink said, everyone's a salesperson. Yep. I really believe that everyone's a project manager. I did a piece on artists last week. Mm-hmm. This week I wrote about parents. I mean, I, I have never seen a bigger project than raising a person to become a person. Hell no. That's part of the reason why I'm not doing it. Right. Because the project management of keeping my dog from eating cannabis is proving to be more costly and challenging than I had previously thought. So, yes, if you are a parent out there, you are a world class sea level project manager. Good job. Absolutely. I mean, just the task of preparing for summer camps alone. I mean, I have never seen a more involved feat of scheduling outside of a work context than what I see my good friends doing every summer to lay out like, you know, Petey wants to go to this camp and Susie wants to go to that camp. And then here's how we're going to get them back and forth every day. And oh, by the way, there's club soccer and there's this and that. And it's just like, you guys, you are project managing. And in the same breath, you're telling me that you can't do it. I'm like, what? What? It, it's that aversion, though. Like, I feel yeah. like we are peas in a pot in this. I'm always dealing with sales avoidance and sales aversion. Mm-hmm. You're always dealing with structure rebellion, right? Yes. And and it's just so funny because we rebel against what would make us feel safe and cozy. Oh, you're so right. And And I think, too, that at least as far as project management goes, we're rebelling because the way it has been put out there in the world, it's very exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, oh, well, you have to have your PMP credential, which I have, fine. But like, the truth is, I've seen many people manage projects who don't have that credential. Mm-hmm. I've seen many people manage projects 
who, you know, maybe don't get back to my emails right away, or who maybe don't have a very good desk filing system, but they can still do it. Like they're there are very simple techniques and approaches that you can use to help keep even the most disorganized person on track. And, you know, that's what I really feel called to start talking about is that like the way we've talked about it is, is very exclusionary and off-putting. You know, we talk about Mm -hmm. KPIs and dashboards and status reports. What the fuck does that mean really? Right. Right. Like if we talked about what we do is we make sure that people are on track Yes. And we make sure that everyone knows what they should be doing when they should be doing it. Yes. Well, that doesn't sound scary. That sounds just freaking normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think the challenge is like when the and this is not always on the PM. A lot of the time in, in a corporate or a startup environment, this comes from the top all the, like all the way at the mm-hmm. top. But even internally or in a super small business where you're being your own PM, I feel like one of the things that gets really challenging is that there's a big understandable dependence on software and platforms. Mm -hmm. And so in order for people to feel compliant with their project management, they feel like they have to learn Asana or Mm -hmm. they feel like they have to master a Kanban board or whatever it may be. And they're like, "I, I don't think this way. What do I do? Like, how do we plan, but keep, from over tooling our mm-hmm. plan. Well, I've got to tell you, um, on my website, I offer a free project plan template that I have used for, I've got to say, at least 50 individual coaching clients. It's in Excel, but you can open it in Google Sheets if you don't have Excel. And it is my number one go-to recommendation for anyone who's just starting out. In fact, Every single one of my coaching clients starts with this as their project plan. And then, you know, some people do go to Asana or Trello or like they want to do an app. Um, But for people who don't want to, I think you can you can make it work with a spreadsheet, a simple, simple spreadsheet with not too many columns, not too much fanciness. Um, In fact, that's that's what I really like to preach is you want to have the simplest tool possible that enables your success. God, I love a spreadsheet. Something I never expected to say. I love a dang spreadsheet now because of the simplicity of it, right? Right. My husband, Ryan, can code these spreadsheets that are like gargantuan (laughs) and have all of these, you know, really elaborate algorithms and stuff attached to them. I just want a row and a Mm -hmm. column and some Mm -hmm. text. And that right there really helps me. So I love that you're preaching find the simplest thing. And I, dang it, I love Google Sheets. Google Sheets, where were we before Google Drive? I I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. I, mm. but I love that idea of like, let, allow it to be lean, allow it to be simple because going back to what we said at the very, very beginning, if you make your plan too chunky or hard to follow, then you're not really living your plan. You're over planning, which is an avoidance of plan. Right. Exactly. And that that I think is one of the number one lessons that I teach my clients is that the project plan has to work for exactly one person, the project manager. Yes. And especially if you're a small business owner at, or a solopreneur, you're the person who it matters the absolute most to. Yep. So, you know, mine mine is a very, very basic. I, I organize it with like a phase that is a, a color 
and then a bunch of things related to the phase and then another phase and then all the tasks. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things too, where I work with people to change it. Mm-hmm. I've simplified it down to what I think is the bare bones essentials of what a project plan should be. And I've got plenty of clients who will simplify it even further from there. And the the point is, and this is where I disagree with, with the Project Management Institute. I think best practices that are never followed are not really worth anything. No. So, so regardless of what the best practice says about how to like technically build a spreadsheet, I don't care. I want it to work. I want it to work for when the person. When you want it to exist. Using. Yeah. Right? Like what right. is a best later, a, a best practice that isn't used is a theory. Yeah. And theories are pretty worthless. Right. Maybe not in like a philosophical, like, I will go on top of a mountain and prophesy type way. Like that has its own value. But to, you know, the principal rule of what you told us we have to do this week, which is get shit done. Mm -hmm. Thinking about a best practice or obeying a best practice or even setting up a spreadsheet that follows every possible whim and fancy along the lines of best practices, if you're not actually going to go in and populate the spreadsheet, mm, you may, you had a bake sale and forgot to invite anyone. Right. Exactly. Oops. Yeah. Big time. Oops. So I do just want to give a little shout out to people like us in our pre-chat before we get into our pop culture thing today. um, You brought up Daniel Pink. I love Daniel Pink. If y'all have not read To Sell is Human, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite sales books. It is one of the books that made me realize that I could sell and now I teach sales. So awesome. Hats off to you, Mr. Pink. Um, But (laughs) you and I had a brief talk in our pre-chat about how uh, even though our businesses are doing quite well now, there were some concerns as children that maybe we would never really thrive in this because we were both terrible Girl Scouts. Yeah. Really, really awful at childhood selling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I just want to send a bit of love to anybody out there who also sucked at sales as a child Mm -hmm. or was traumatized by door-to-door sales as a child. Uh, I think for you, it was really Girl Scout cookies. For me, it was really the wrapping paper that we had to do Mm. to like fundraise for our school, which is also a for-profit school. So like, what were we fundraising for our school for? I don't know. (laughs) What? But I mean, maybe that's why. Maybe I never understood the why of it. So I just didn't do it. But I just remember having to go door-to-door ring the doorbell, give the spiel. And even when it was something like Thin Mints that everyone in the world wants, doesn't make it easy. So what would you like to say to other struggling child salespeople grown up? And how is your relationship with selling now? Oh, gosh. I I would just remind anybody who is a struggling child salesperson that, that to sell is human and we are all salespeople. And I am super inspired by Daniel Pink because I think we are all also project managers. Yes. But, um, you know, in, in terms of wanting to be more comfortable with it, I, I really think it's a case where practice makes perfect yeah. and just keeping at it as uncomfortable as it is, like trying to look at it as an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to learn. Um, I think that's really how I've gotten to be more comfortable with it. 
I would imagine that you probably have some much more magical advice to share. But but for me, it's <laughs> it, it's also very similar to what it takes, I think, to to really manage projects, which is is it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of just logging in, updating your spreadsheet, whether it's a sales tracker or a project plan, but like really making that that commitment and 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 just trying it. It's one of those things where I think you're probably not going to see a ton of progress overnight um, just by wishing it, right? But with enough dedicated practice, and especially if you listen to awesome podcasts like this one to oh, help hey. you out, um, you know, I I think that that's, that's the best we can really hope for is, is to just get better and better little by little. And eventually we become experts. You said the D word. You said the D word. I We're did. talking about discipline. discipline. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is uh, one of the many things I do is I have access and I'm certified in this really incredible uh, communication styles typings called dynamics. And one of the four key areas that they chart is discipline. And I re I tested first in 2018. I retested just recently in 2022 and my discipline has grown. And so I threw myself a party. I got like a 9% increase in discipline over the last four years. And then when I looked at my key performance, like success goals, as defined by myself, it said I needed an additional 34% increase in discipline. <laughs> and I was like, it took me four years to get 9%. So y'all, discipline is a muscle. We are getting there. You are probably making greater strides in discipline than you think. Just get in there, log into that spreadsheet, do your due diligence, get it done. Mm-hmm. It won't suck as much as you think it will. And I think discipline is actually a perfect transition to a Netflix show that you absolutely adore uh, that I uh, really need and therefore rebel against uh, because I have OCD and hoarder tendencies and I am a pack rat. And so just like project management, I fear what I need. Molly, what does any of this have to do with the amazing women entrepreneurs of the home edit? Oh, I am so glad you asked, Annie. So (laughs) season two just released on April 1st. So for those of you who have never heard of the home edit, go and binge. It is amazing. Um, What what they do is these two women, um, Joanna and Clea, they have a company that helps people get their homes organized. And what I love about the home edit is that it is just like project management in so many ways. First of all, it is a system. So they teach step-by-step guides to uh, getting your house organized. So they start with an edit. So Annie, this would probably be the step that you would need uh, a little bit of help and coaching with. This is where <laughs> this is where you edit. So you have three piles: one for keep, one for donations, and one for trash. Oh gosh! Yeah. So you go through and let's say you pick, you can start small. You can start with like a junk drawer, just like one little drawer. Mm -hmm. And that's in fact what they recommend doing. So you start and you pull everything out of the drawer and like, what are you going to keep? What can you donate? What, you know, like a matchbook that only has one match left in it. You know, just use the match and get rid of it. Like, come on, light a candle, light a candle while you're doing this and it's over. Right. Okay, (laughs) cool, cool. So anyway, so that's the first step is to do the edit. And then um, the second step is you categorize. So you would put all of your pins together. You would put 
all of your paper clips together. You would put all of your super glue together. I don't know, whatever you have in your junk I got. I mean, I have an entire room of craft supplies in this house. So yes, right now I'm like, I got so much glue. I got yeah, 97,000 kinds of glue. I got wood glue, great. two kinds of hot glue. I got <laughs> glue tabs, glue sticks. So you're singing my song right now. I love it. I love it. So you categorize everything and then you put everything into containers that have labels on them so that you know where all of the things go. And then you put it back in your drawer or if you're doing a room or what have you. So what I love about this is like, first of all, it's a system and a process. So -hmm. the idea is you go through all of this and then you have this beautiful, you pull it open and there's all these lovely clear bins in it or whatever, and then you maintain it. So, you know, as you use glue, you start to see, oh, my glue bin is getting empty. And so then you can go buy more and you put it into the glue bin, right? Uh, Same thing with paper clips, same thing with pins, whatever you need. Um, It's pretty easy to understand how to do this process. It's hard to do it. Like it's hard to make the jump, but once you sort of have done it, it's pretty easy. And I think it's like a very democratic system. Like everybody's going to go through those same steps. Um, And then again, it, it does take discipline, right? So you've got to upkeep it. And what I love about the show is that they also don't have necessarily like stringent best practices. Like, yes, you want to put things in a container. However, they talk about this all the time. Like if you're the type of person who needs to see something, cool, put all of your different colored chip bags into a clear container in your pantry. Yeah. And to a clear container, or if you hate open storage, put it into a non-clear container. Right. Right. And so there's always like this moment where they talk about like, you know, how like how fussy of a food storage person are you? Like, do you want to take your cereal and to put all the bags into canisters and then toss the boxes in the bags? Or do you want to take your Lucky Charms and you put it in a big bin with all your other cereals and put that away on a shelf? Mm -hmm. Um, I am that kind of person. I am not a a fussy canister type level person. I would love to be, but I know myself. And like, that's like too many steps. I'm a quirky canister person in that, Mm, like, Mm -hmm. I will find a cute canister and then I will make myself use it Mm -hmm. because otherwise, what did I buy it for? So I look a lot more high performing than I am. Uh, A, my husband's super type A, but also I'll be like, oh, I bought this really cute canister antiquing. Guess I got to put cereal in it. So I wind up doing it that way. But I think that too, too, is like there's creativity in the flexibility of these constraints. Just like what you were talking about before is like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm a big old dork. You said the word label and I'm like, I have a cricket. I have a label machine. I could make the cutest labels imaginable. Okay. Why is that where my brain went? But that got me excited, right? That That got me over the resistance. Totally. Totally. And on the show, they have all these great labels that they like turned Clea's handwriting into a font. I'm like, they're gorgeous. Oh, Oh my God. Yes. I love that. They sell all of their products at A, the container store, but B, also Walmart. They do clear containers for like a very bargain price. Um, I've actually bought a few there as well. So um, I, I redid my bathroom and it is it is really nice. Um, I think where I fall down on the job is I haven't gotten to the labeling yet. Because I just wanted to like see if everything fit first. See, this is why we need each other. Exactly. You have mm-hmm. all the containers 
And mm-hmm. I have all the labels. Labels. Perfect. Yes. There we go. We'll just come together. I'll bring all the labels. You bring all the containers. And we'll just do this together and we'll figure when it out. our forces combine, we are Captain Organization. <laughs> I think I'm the heart of Captain Organization. <laughs> I love it. Just, I love just it. Just give me a monkey and I'll just I want to be the fire. There. I want to bring the fire. That's oh, what I want. See, but that's <laughs> the PM in you. The PM is like, let's get stuff done. That's and right. the gooey like Muppet in me is like, I just want a monkey and for everyone to be happy. <laughs> um, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I don't think there's ever been a Captain Planet reference on this show before. Molly, this is so exciting. I can come back because I've got Captain Planet content for days. I mean, you're going to have to. It's <laughs> fantastic. So I, uh, if we were going to apply the label slash canister method to our mm-hmm. businesses, Mm-hmm. If we were going to have Joanna and Clea inspire our project management, maybe even mm-hmm. our spreadsheets, mm-hmm. what would what do you think they would tell us to do? First thing, they would put everything with rainbow colors. Heck yes. Because that is also one of their organization methods. So like in a closet, you go Roy G. Biv for all your sweaters, Roy G. Biv for all your pants, Roy G. Biv for all your skirts. Oh yeah. So on the spreadsheets, so each of each of my phases, if you will, that would be like red, orange, yellow, green, blue. Absolutely. Um, that would be number one. Um, number two, like the the, cantana- the the canisters, that really relates to project management in terms of how we break down a project. What I like to tell people is that a project plan, if you think about your project like a puzzle, and then, you know, so you look at the whole thing together and it's beautiful. And each little piece then is its own, you know, little portion. And the project plan would actually take each piece and subdivide it into three or four pieces because when things get smaller, they get more manageable. So in that way, the canister would be like a phase of a project. And then what goes in the canister are all of the individual tasks. So for example, if you were doing a project of painting your bedroom, one phase might be prep. And in prep, you're going to measure You're going to calculate the paint you need. You're going to buy your supplies. Maybe you're going to put drop cloths down, take out whatever you don't want to get paint on it or what have you. The next phase would be the painting phase. And that's where you're going to pour paint into your rollers and put them on the wall and give it time to dry. Or if you do a primer, you would have that in there, right? Then your last phase might be cleanup. And that would be, you know, removing everything that you need to, doing touch-up work, et cetera, and so forth. So that would be sort of their equivalent of like putting your paper clips and your super glue and your pens into the right drawer. That would sort of be putting your right tasks into the right phase of your project plan. I can see this in copywriting, too. Like one of the main things I get people through is the creation of long form sales pages. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we could totally be like, what are all of your FAQs? Go gather them. Put them in a clear container in your head with a label on them that says FAQ. Okay, now go get all of your product tour itemized individual features. Okay, put those in a bucket. Okay, now we're going to get our talking points or our competitive advantages. Now we're going to go get our bio, right? So I kind of love this idea of gathering like with like and doing that systematically in an order that makes sense to you. 
right? So like, we're not going bathroom, craft room, bathroom, craft room. We're going bathroom, 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 craft room, craft room, craft room. Similarly, we're not going FAQ bio images, FAQ bio, bio, what should this call to action say? Oh crap, I forgot to say this thing. We're going, okay, where's all of your FAQs? Let's get that done in a chunk. Let's put that in somewhere controlled. And I feel like I spend so much time in my copy editing capacity, doing exactly what you're talking about, grouping like with like, being like, you got your bio in four different places. Why don't we just chunk it up and put it over mm-hmm. here? I love mm-hmm. that. And I never thought about it. See, see what a see. good project manager does. It just opens you up to all possibilities. That's right. <sighs> That's right. I love it. I love it. Molly, I wish that we could talk all freaking day. I have to have you back about Captain Planet. That just needs to occur. Uh, but I got two more questions for you. Sure. First one is pretty personal. You ready for this? I'm ready. If you were going to brag, full-throated, wholehearted brag about a piece of home organization in your own home, What are you bragging about? Give us a tour of that organized space. I am going to brag about my new filing cabinet. Oh, I love a good filing cabinet. So I went from like a humongous two drawer system down to like an 18 inch poppin unit that I bought at the container store. It has three drawers. The top drawer are office supplies. So I've got my pens, I've got my extra headsets, I've got post-its, whatever. The second drawer is only for creative projects. And it is adult coloring books because I love it for stress relief. It's got colored pencils. And it's also got all of my faux calligraphy, which is something I picked up during the pandemic. So all of the supplies that I need for that are in this one drawer. And that's the only thing allowed in there. It's like my creative art fun time drawer. And I love it. And then the bottom is like actual hanging files that I've sort of downsized and and whatnot. You got the constraints on the bottom and the creative on the top. That's right. That's right. Uh, Yep. I just love it. Well, I am going to be thinking about all the things you said so much today. And you also really, I think today is uh, a point of recording. Today is my husband, Ryan's birthday. Happy birthday, Ryan. Happy birthday. And uh, I think he's going to want to kiss you full on the (laughs) mouth because this episode not only inspired me, I'm looking around this office and damn, do I need some containers and labels. So Molly, you nailed it. Yay! If folks need to get your magnificent, brilliant, ordered, still creative, fabulous process brain into their businesses, what's the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Best way is to contact me through my website. It's www.projectsbymolly.com. Again, that's www.projectsbymolly.com. There's all kinds of information there. I've got a resource library. So if you want to grab that free template I was talking about, that and a few others are all available. And then I also have a contact form there. So you can fill that out. And I respond to all of those emails personally. Um, You can also find me on social media if you prefer that. I'm at LinkedIn and Instagram, both Molly Barron. So I'm happy to connect via a DM if you prefer that. But my website is a great place to also check out resources. My blog's on there. So heck yeah. 
Well, Molly, I'd love to round up our time together by repeating the two mandates you set out for us. This week, y'all, we're going to get shit done. And we're going to live that plan. Molly, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Annie. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. That's right. We're going to get shit done. Well, hey there. Right from the jump, I'm going to let you know that I do not want to do this week's homework. Nope. I'd rather take out my own tonsils, but here we are. Y'all do know that I do the homework every week, right? Yeah, I'm a practice what you podcast kind of a gal. I recommend what I recommend every week because I know it works. I've done it. I've taught it. I've seen it work wonders. That does not mean it's my dang cup of tea. As I so oft remind my clients, entrepreneurship, maker of dreams, forger of lifestyles is still a fucking J-O-B. This week, our homework is to declutter our workspaces. Come on, you saw this coming. Van Gogh's time in the asylum may have brought on a whole new color period, but these Diet Coke cans certainly aren't doing me any favors. And where did I put that post-it with the super important note on it? No, not that post-it, the other one that looks exactly like that one and is somewhere in this scrap paper museum I call a desk. For extra fun and flair, I recommend watching an episode of The Home Edit so that you can follow their method, which is not mine to teach. Or just dive in and round things into batches like Molly talked about. Clear some surfaces, take out the trash. The feng shui and energy folks among us will say that clearing our space also clears our minds and opens us up to new possibility. Uh, and although I dearly love my anxiety blanket of clutter, I really can't argue that I get more done when I can find a damn pen and don't step on a soggy dog bone. Be sure to post your after photos in Legitimati over on LinkedIn. I want to see that color coding. And if I don't clean up my space, my husband's going to rat me out in that very same group. Wish me luck, pal. We're all in this together. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit. <laughs>